Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome to church. What's up, friends online? Works out you're here. Hey, this is my favorite part. We get to preach. I like the worship. I like all the stuff. I like being with you guys. Uh, but we're going to go to God's word. God's word is just supernatural, man. There's nothing like it. And so I got to give you a couple heads up, a couple asterisks, okay? Um, we're talking a little bit about generosity and giving today. Don't click away. <laughs> Stay with us, okay? I promise it's still going to be profitable. It's still going to be helpful. Um, we're not going to do a version where there's any kind of pressure for you to like give something. What I want to do is shape our thinking according to the word of God about eternity. This is one of those messages that is really, it's, if you're brand new to the, the idea of Christian things and Jesus and stuff, and you're not yet a Christian, hey man, that's all good. I just got, got, I want to let you know, you're, this is going to be interesting for you, but you're not really on the hook the same way that disciples of Christ, those who are Christians, those who have trusted Christ for their forgiveness and to be their leader, they're kind of on the hook in a different way than you are if you're just watching because they're disciples and Jesus is talking to disciples in today's passage. So I just want to give you a heads up um, that you can just sit back and relax and just learn and just in, enjoy this. So we're talking about a second chance to make it count. Um, I did a little bit of internet research and how many know, you know, when it's internet research, maybe it's kind of mostly true, but um, so I, I don't know about this for sure. I don't know the exact numbers here, but um, according to the New York Post in 2019, a study was done. They found out that Americans waste, they waste around $1,400 per month. They waste it on eating out, on paying for cable, paying for subscriptions, paying for like box subscriptions that come in the mail, whatever else it all is, on, on average, the average American, whatever that is, they waste about $1,400. So are you a waster? Have you ever wasted anything? I've wasted stuff, man. I remember I was probably in eighth grade. I was driving uh, with one of my teachers in a car, and she had bought me some McDonald's, and I'm eating this hamburger. I'm like, that was pretty good, but I'm done. Get down about half of it, and I whip it out the window. Now, if one of, one of my kids did that in front of me today, I'd go out of my mind. But at the point, at, at, at that moment, you know, that didn't seem like a big deal to me. And she, you know, lovingly looked at me and said, you wasteful child. And, and it was a good kind of like, yeah, that's what that was. I was convicted. I was like, oh man, what, what am I doing? I'm wasting food and I'm throwing it on the ground outside the car. But I was convicted of my wastefulness at that point. How, how about you? Have you ever wasted anything? You ever squandered anything? You ever had resources that you were utilizing and you were kind of being careless with it? You weren't really careful about how you're doing it. Maybe it was at work for you and you were, you know, you're just making too many copies and it was like, ah, who cares? And just throw these away. Or, you know, you spilled out a bunch of office items and it's like, well, half of these are worthless now. Let's just throw them away. Or you go out to lunch and, you know, you got the company credit card or something. You get, hey, let's all get sushi. And then like, well, a third of this we don't even care about. Let's just leave it here. And there's a sense that we get, if we're paying attention, that sometimes we're just, we're just careless. We're just wasteful with stuff. So Jesus is talking today. He's talking to his disciples, but the context is he's got these Pharisees, these religious 
elites, religious leaders that aren't really on the Jesus program, okay? They're, they're pretty antagonistic to Jesus. They're nearby. He's saying this lesson in their hearing, but it's really for his disciples. He says, I want my followers to know how I think about this. So we're going to start actually at the end of the story that Jesus tells. I want to hear how he explains this in contrast to these religious leaders around them, and then we're going to go into the actual thing that he says. But there's a lesson in, in it for us. And one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to think about how we think about money and resources and all the things God blesses, blesses us with and gives to us. <clears throat> so we're starting verse 14, even though it's the end. When the Pharisees heard all this, meaning all the stuff we're about to explain, they sneered at Jesus because they loved money. Jesus said to them, you're the ones who make yourselves look right in other people's sight, but God knows your hearts. For the things that are considered of great value by human beings, i.e. you, are worth nothing in God's sight. These, these are the kind of people, they, they feel like they're very important. They, they're wealthier than most, okay? So they're like, they're like spiritual politicians is a way to understand some of these religious leaders. And they're always the finest dressed, and they really they kind of strut a little bit, some of them. And their thinking is, we're kind of better than everybody else. And so therefore we deserve to have nicer stuff. And this is kind of about us. And, and, and you know, we love it. We, we really enjoy this privilege. We enjoy this position. This is what we uh, love to be about. And Jesus is trying to help them understand disciples, see the way they roll see the way they do this. Wealth isn't about what you think it's about. So whatever you do, don't take their model. Even though they've been kind of your spiritual leaders your whole life, don't model yourself after them. See, Jesus knows, and we, we can take from just this, this ending passage here, that there's something about the human heart, just like in those, in those Pharisees, because we're all, just so you know, often we're all Pharisees of some sort or another, okay? And so that's the warning. And there's something in the human heart that immediately goes to protect us. As soon as there's a suggestion, is it possible that maybe you overvalue money instantly, just like the Pharisees, we're going to go, no, 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 that's, that, that's dumb. And they scoff at it, just like these guys did. They scoffed at it. They're like, this, this fool. Can you imagine Jesus is teaching about money? And they're like, this fool. He's so dumb. He doesn't get us. But if we're not careful, that, that's what's going to happen in this particular message, is we're going to be like, well, I mean, somebody needs that, but not me. And so I just want to ask everybody, open up your heart to the possibility that there might be something to learn here. So um, there's a danger there's a danger with all resources because money and this kind of thing, wealth, it, it distorts our values, or at least it has the power to. Some of us know, I mean, you, you might remember this, maybe when you were just at a different stage and you didn't have much money at all, and you thought to yourself, when I have this much money, here's what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to be so generous. I mean, way more generous than any of these scrubs that I see. And you really meant it. Like that was true for you at that moment. But then life went on. And you climbed a few ladders and suddenly you actually did have much more than you thought you might have back then. And now you're like, well, now hold on here. Okay. Cause now, you know, the game's a little different for me. Now I was so naive then I didn't understand all that would go into where I was. And what is that? Sometimes that's just our heart tricking us again, being like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, you need to protect yourself against the suggestion that there might be something that you need to rethink See, see, we can't fathom that God thinks differently about money than we do. And that, I mean, that's, that's part of the human condition. And that's what Jesus is dealing with. We can, we're, in the, we're in danger of thinking, I'm beginning to make my life all about piling this stuff up. I'm piling this stuff up. 
And at some point, I'm serving the pile instead of the God that gave the pile. Is this hitting home for anybody? You can say amen, okay? Even if you're saying it for somebody else, go ahead and say amen if you think that might be true. We start to serve the pile rather than the God who gives the pile. Okay, so now let's go back and see what these Pharisees were scoffing about and try to protect ourselves from making sure that we don't scoff at it. Verse one, Jesus said to his disciples, there once was a rich man who had a servant who managed his property. The rich man was told that the manager was wasting. Somebody say wasting. He was wasting or squandering, some translations say, his master's money. So he called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Hand in a complete account of your handling of my property because you can't be my manager any longer. And the servant said to himself, my master. So, so he has a little panic attack. He's like, oh my gosh, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be fired. The servant said to himself, my master's gonna dismiss me for my job. What shall I do? I'm not strong enough to dig, dig ditches and I'm ashamed to beg. And, and some of us know what that would be like, okay? Because we're like, man, I got like desk muscles. I don't have dig muscles. So I don't know that I'm gonna, this is going to go well for me. But what, what did this servant or this manager or this steward, what did he have? Well, he had lots of opportunities. He had some privileges, but his opportunities and privileges were supposed to be about serving his employers, his, his master's interest. And that, that's not what he was doing. He was irresponsible. He was careless. Like, like it's reported to, to, to him. Hey, your guy, dude, he doesn't take care of your stuff at all. Like he spends all kinds of money that you probably don't want him to spend. He's reckless. He's not careful with clients. Like this guy, he, someone, he, he's bad enough that he's got a reputation and somebody tells on him essentially. And so he hears about it and his, his manager says, hey man, you're gonna have to turn in a report of all that you've done because I wanna see it. And we've gotta understand, part of what Jesus is reminding us here is all the stuff and all the money is God's. And he's the master. And really we're just managers. We're just stewards. We're just caretakers. We take care of God's stuff. And the truth is, every one of us is like this manager. Every one of us has failed at this. Every one of us, like me, maybe it wasn't a McDonald's hamburger that you threw out the window, but there's something somewhere where you and I have missed the mark. We have failed to manage God's stuff rightly. Maybe it was somebody else's stuff. Maybe it was your own opportunities. Maybe it was your own chances. Sometimes for some of us, I hate to say it, we're irresponsible with people. Like we mismanage people. We let people get hurt. We did things that were, ah, that wasn't the right, that wasn't how your master would have had you handle that. And Jesus is trying to teach us, it's important that you think about the future. It's important that you think about the resources you're, you're given right now for what's gonna happen after right now. And there's gonna be an accounting. He said, you're gonna hand in a complete account and there's going to be an account. See, God sees everything. He sees all of our motives. He sees all the whys. And he says, you know, he's not trying to be scary in a bad way, but he just wants to remind all of us, this is, this is the message of the Old and New Testament, there's gonna be an accounting. Like you're gonna give, you're gonna turn in your own books at some point. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, that you're gonna give an account for every careless word you utter. That's frightening. Not to mention what you do with all the responsibilities you've been given. And, and I, I'll give you a little hint on how to pass that test because that's not gonna go well for any of us. The good news is there is one righteous and his name is Jesus Christ. And so when you face that judgment, the, the, the key is don't face it on what you've done right or wrong, face it on what Jesus has done right on your behalf. That's, that's what you turn in at that point, okay? It's his, yes, you, you'll be judged according to what you did wrong, but then, then Jesus is gonna step in and be like, actually, I got that because they trusted me. 
and I've forgiven them. And so you just take my obedience and we'll count that for them. That's how Christianity works. That's what it means to make Jesus your savior. He takes the fall for you. It's really good news. But anyway, there's going to be this temptation that we're all going to just, not only in the past, but in the future, we're just going to squander. We're just going to miss the mark. We're just not going to do this right. And so he, he has a little meeting with himself. He has his panic attack. He comes off to the side. I'm going to think about this. Okay, what do I do? What do I do? And this is what he does. Verse four, now, now I know what I'll do. He thinks about it. Then when my job is gone, I'll sh- I shall have friends who will welcome me into their homes. So he called all the people who were in debt to his master. He asked the first one, how much do you owe my master? 150 barrels of oil, he answered. Here's your account, the manager told him. Sit down and write 50. So, so let's just clarify some, some things that are happening right here. Okay, so remember in the ancient Near East, favors were a big deal. They're a bigger deal than they are for us. You do somebody a favor, somebody does you a favor, like you're in their debt, you're gonna remember that thing. And so he's doing some favors. And he's the guy that essentially he can, he can say, hey, bring me your loan for a second. Let's take a look at that. Yeah, okay, I see how much you owe. How about this? Cut that in half. That's how much you owe now. Now, if, if this were you, if someone took your car loan or your mortgage and, and it's the vice president of the company and they, they bring you in and they say, I'll tell you what, let's just let's get rid of half of that. This is all you owe now. How many think you're gonna be jumping up and down on your way back out to the car? You're like, holy cow, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened. I can't believe this organization lets him do that. He just, I'm mad. And, and how many know the next time you need to borrow money, you're going back to that place? Because you're hoping, well, they, they hooked me up before. Maybe they'll hook me up again. So this is part of his thinking. Verse seven, then he asked another one. And you, how much do you owe? A thousand sacks of weed, he answered. Here's your account, the manager told him, write 800. And as a result, the master of this dishonest manager praised him for doing such a shrewd thing. Because the people of this world are much more shrewd in handling their affairs than the people who belong to the light. And Jesus went on to say, and so I tell you, make friends for yourselves with worldly wealth so that when it gives out, you'll be welcomed into eternal homes. Notice a couple things that this guy does. First, he thinks about it. He thinks, like he, okay, I gotta have some wisdom about what I do next. My world is kind of caving in, I gotta have some wisdom. But he not only thinks about it, he does something about it. And this is one of the keys to wisdom, my friends. It doesn't matter how wise we think until we do something. Okay, we, we can be wise in our heads, but how many understand you're not really wise until you act on the wisdom you think you have. Wisdom is only wisdom if you do it. And he follows through. He says, I know what I'll do. And he does it. And he goes and he, he says, he's thinking to himself, maybe if I hook these guys up, you know, at the very least, maybe they'll let me come stay with him when I, when I run out of money, you know, or some of them, I mean, these are, all, these are all probably, if they have interest loans like this, they're probably relatively wealthy for the time. So he's thinking, or maybe they'll give me a job. You know, I hook them up. Maybe they'll hook me up coming here in the future. And the, man, the, the master, he wasn't praising him because he was dishonest. He fired him for being dishonest. What he praised him for was for his shrewdness. In other words, he's like, man, that old scoundrel, shucks, but that was pretty smart what he did. <laughs> like, I'm not happy with what he did at first, but I got to tell you, like, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting way to, to twist that so that he comes out on top. So, so think about what this shrewd manager did. Okay, so he worked out in favor of the client. The client's hooked up. <laughs> he hooked it out. He hooked it up maybe in, in favor of himself because he might get a new job or might get a place to stay. But in another way, he also c- completely hooked up his master. Because now what's his master going to do? Is he going to go back to those people and be like, no, 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 no. You actually still owe all this money. They're going to be like, well, I ain't ever working with that guy again. 
Instead, they think the, ma- the master also gave them this favor. So they think all they think is high praise about all these guys. And they're telling their friends, I'll tell you where you gotta go. You gotta go to this guy, he's gonna help you out. And so in this shrewd moment, he helped everybody, even though he was kind of self-serving. I mean, that's exactly what he was trying to, he was trying to help himself. And one of the things Jesus is saying, he's saying, guys, godly people sometimes, because they, they love God and they, tr- they trust God, sometimes they underthink how to leverage their current situation for the future. They don't take action. They don't operate. They don't do wisdom. And so here's, here's, here's maybe what that looks like for some of us. Sometimes we're like, well, you know, whatever God's going to do, God's going to do. I just trust God. And that's good. You should trust God and you should trust his sovereignty. And at the same time, Jesus says, but think about the future and take action now to improve your future later. Don't just give in to fatalism. Don't just think, well, whatever will be, will be. He says, no, man, now is the moment to act. Now you have time to change how the future is going to go. So act now. That would be shrewd. He says, verse nine, let's read it again. And Jesus went on to say, so I tell you, make friends for yourselves with worldly wealth, meaning just money here on earth, so that when it gives out, you'll be welcomed into your eternal homes. Money is going to fail. Money's going to give out. Money doesn't last forever. James says this in his own epistle, uh, chapter one, verse 11. Now listen, he's, hear this nicely, because you can hear James mean all the time, but just hear it nicely. And remember that if you live in America, you're way richer than anyone James was writing to. Okay, so this isn't rich other people. This is us. And he says, for the sun rises with its scorching heat, withers the grass, and, the fl- and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So also the rich person in the midst of his pursuits will die out. He's saying, hey man, remember where this goes. There's gonna come a day when you die. And, and think about the week up to that point. You've got all this stuff that you've collected. You got your accounts, you got your stuff in your house or wherever you're living. You, you got all this stuff. And James says, and by the way, and just like all the grass of the field, just like all the flowers, you're just gonna like, in the midst of you, you're on to your next project almost and you just die. Like whatever you're planning, it doesn't matter. You're, you're still gonna have plans when you die that don't come to pass. And here's what's gonna happen. People are gonna show up at your house and they're gonna take a look around at your stuff and you're like, what is all this crap? Why did he even want this? And all they're gonna, you know, they're, they're gonna keep three of them and they're gonna try to sell all the rest of the stuff knowing that most people won't want this stuff. It's just your weird crap. And then they're gonna have to give it away. And they're stuck with the job of rummaging through all the stuff that you at one point thought was a real big treasure. And now, dude, it's junk. It's, it's, it's all junk. And here's the deal. It was all invested here. And all your investments are still here, but you're not. You faded like the grass of the field. And Jesus says, instead of allowing it all to be invested here, invest there. Invest where you're going. Here's a different way to say it. Your operation, your life operation, where you get to manage some of God's resources is coming to an end. You've been informed. Your your thing is coming to an end. And Jesus is saying, the smartest thing that you could do is don't just invest here, invest there, because that's where you're going. So two reasons not to be careless with our money. Two reasons not to be careless with our money. Number one, given its fleeting nature and your expiring nature, the best use of money is as a tool to populate heaven. Given its fleeting nature and your and my expiring nature, 
The best use of money is as a tool to populate heaven. So first, let's start out with money is fleeting. The nature of money is that it goes away. The nature of money is you don't really get to keep it. Proverbs 23, 5 tries to tell us this. When you set your eyes on it, have you noticed this? It's gone. For the wealth, for wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies towards the heaven. I mean, you guys know this. You get some money and then, whoo, like there it goes. Like it just goes. And that's the nature of money. And so if that's the nature of money, and then you compound that with, by the way, you're an expiring thing. Humans don't live forever. It, I mean, it might be smart to invest in here if you're going to live for like another thousand or 2000 years. Like, yeah, man, you could really accrue some stuff and probably be a little more, more comfortable long-term, but you're just going to die soon. And so if you're just going to die soon and your money goes away anyway, Jesus is saying, you can spend all your time like thinking about, okay, how much more time do I have to acquire and that can be your focus as you're going through life. How much more time do I have to acquire? Well, I want to get this by this age, and I want to get this by this age. And Jesus is saying, yo, you're asking the wrong question. Don't do like these Pharisees' disciples. That's the question they're asking. How much more time do I have to acquire stuff? He says, recognize that the clock is ticking down on your time left to give. Your time left to give is going away. That window is shortening and you have no idea how long that's going to be. And so Jesus says, hey man, take action. Here's what you ought to do. You ought to take all your resources and all your money and use it to help people. Now you're going to keep some. In fact, he lets you keep a lot. For those who are Christ followers, you know, we believe here that God asks us in both the Old and New Testament to tithe. And what that means is we get to keep 90% of what God gives us. And then we give him back 10 to show that we support the things he's doing in the world and that we trust him. That's the purpose of tithing. And so he says, hey man, you get to keep 90% and that's a way smarter investment as, as you enjoy that. And then to take some of that and be investing in other people, it demonstrates your faith. It does good in the world. And so Jesus says, it's good to use your resources to do good. It's even better to do good and make friends in heaven, meaning I'm going to sow into things that preach the gospel so that people come to know Jesus Christ because I invested in the kingdom and some of them, they're going to die before me and they're going to get up to heaven and I'm going to be rolling up, you know, it's my, it's my death slash birthday. I'm going to roll up to the gates of heaven. I'm going to meet some blokes and they're going to be there. I'm going to be like, wow, who are you? I don't even know you. Like my grandma's there and these different ones. And there's these strangers and they're like, you gave to that ministry of fierce church. Do you remember that? Well, they used that money to put it on the internet and they streamed that thing. And I was in another country, but I overheard that and I gave my life to Christ. And now I'm here. And I actually did all kinds of good stuff before I left. And so there's actually fruit coming from my life that's attached to your account now because of what you did trickled down to me, which now comes right on back to you. That is us making friends in the future who invite us into their current mansions. This is some figurative language that Jesus used about what God has waiting for us in heaven. They're inviting us in. They're saying, hey, look at this place that I have partly because you invested in the kingdom and you didn't just waste it on stuff down there. That's going to be a pretty dope day. And Jesus says, that's smart thinking. That's smart investing. And he says, even you humans, like you can be really smart about, oh, I want to think about my, my, my retirement. I want to think about my crypto. Isn't it interesting? And right at this moment, if you're, if you're listening or watching in the future, we happen to be in a moment where the stock market is not the best it's ever been. Um, and a crypto company just like went down last week, which, you know, that was already, people were speculative about that. So that didn't help their brand. Uh, but the point is like finances, man, they're fickle and they just, they just go away. And instead of investing only in stuff here, we invest 
there. Jesus says, that's just a smarter way to think. This is why when you see in the Awaken the Dawn offering that we're doing for Christmas, we're partnering with people like International Justice Mission, Samaritan's Purse. It's really on purpose that we go with them instead of somebody else. Okay, so not only does the International Justice Mission folks, are they going to help rescue people in sexual slavery, they're also, there's a point where they minister the gospel to them. They help them understand, not only does God want to free you and help you, he wants you to know his son and come to a personal saving relationship with Christ. Same thing with Samaritan's Purse. As Ukrainians are going, I just heard yesterday, they're likely going to have a lot less water this winter. And as the people we're supporting are helping them, they're going to minister the gospel to them. And Jesus says, that's the smartest way to use your money, man, because you can't keep it. It's going away. And by the way, you're going away. So why not use the situation you're in right now to help something in the future? This is how we take our money, my friends, and I can leave it all here or I can send it in a figurative kind of way. It becomes construction equipment in heaven. And I can just keep on sending, hey, more construction in there. Build, build some some folks, their mansions. I know that's all spiritual figurative language, but whatever that is happening there, that's what we're participating in. And Jesus reminds us, hey man, there's only so much time. Okay, so football season, everybody knows when the game starts, everybody's optimistic. Everybody's like, all right, here we go. Still plenty of time, plenty of time. We can get this thing done, man. We can win this thing. But then you get to halftime and people, you know, your whole attitude is just different. It's like, all right, well, well, yeah, hey, we got to win this thing now. Like now's the time. If we're going to, whatever we're going to do, we better do it. And I found out, you know, when you're in your twenties, when you're in your thirties, you, you can feel so Im, impervious to anything. You can feel like I'm just going to live forever that you're kind of like you're in the beginning of the game, but you get along about 45 and 50. And you're looking back at the people, man, they didn't even, their halftime was like 15. And you're thinking, all right, well, whatever I'm going to do, I better do it. It's time to win this game now because I'm not staying here. I'm going somewhere else. My friends, I just want to submit to you the idea. I don't know where your halftime is, but it's possible you're in halftime or past it right now. And the clock's running down. And so any Hail Marys you're going to throw, anything you're going to do to send some construction equipment to heaven, it's a good idea to do it now, according to Jesus. He says, that's shrewder than these muckruckers over here, these Pharisees, who all they can be impressed about is the car they're driving or the new tech that they're God on their phone. That's all they care about. He says, I want you to, hey, enjoy that, Jesus says, but then also care about this other stuff. I gotta tell you, man, if I was in your position right now listening to this sermon, I would be just screaming amen. So I'm assuming that's all happening internally for you, um, but we're just gonna keep going here. So given its fleeting nature and your expiring nature, the best use of money is as a tool to populate heaven. Here's number two, your opportunities to be generous are a test to measure your trustworthiness. So this is where it becomes not just about kind of the resources we're sending or the, the stuff we're utilizing. It becomes an interpersonal between you and God test of your own trustworthiness in his eyes. So Jesus kind of, he, he breaks into this summary now. He's, he's told the story now, he's gonna summarize some ideas. Verse 10, whoever is faithful in small matters will be faithful in large ones. Whoever is dishonest in small matters will be dishonest in large one. Really important verse, verse 11. If then you're not faithful in handling worldly wealth, how can you be trusted with true wealth? Now just notice that. How can you be trusted with true wealth if you're not faithful with earth wealth? One of the things Jesus is implying there is, you know all the money you have and all the stock and all the state you have? He says, hate to tell you, that's not even true wealth. 
That's a faux kind of like world wealth. True wealth is wealth that doesn't go away. True wealth is forever wealth. And I want to entrust you with forever wealth, but it has a lot to do with how you behave with your earth wealth. And if you've, been, if you've not been faithful, he says in verse 12, with what belongs to someone else, who will entrust you with what belongs to you? Uh, maybe the NIV is clear. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Or Jesus is saying, hey man, look, if you didn't do what I asked you to do with the first stuff, why would I then give you, reward you with the real stuff? You're not gonna use that well either. You didn't use this well, why would you use this well? See, with Jesus, it's always about whatever you do in the little things, it's ultimately gonna show up in the big things. And one of, his, one of the warnings that Jesus would have for us today is, dude, don't fool yourself. It's, it's real easy to say, well, you know, when I make this much, then I'll become a giver. And Jesus is like, you're, you're kidding yourself. That's not how that works. If you're not faithful in, a, in the little things, your heart has all that time to grow and expand. And you think with that same small heart, now you're gonna give ginormously? You should have been practicing long ago. You don't have the heart capacity to now give ginormous. You're, you're gonna find a way to like the Pharisees, just kind of scoff at the whole thing. You're like, ah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a dumb move now. So he says, man, don't postpone it. Here's the rule that, that God gives us. Verse 13, no servant can be a slave of two masters. Such a servant will hate one and love the other or be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying, you're either a servant of money or you use money to serve God. He says, there's no in between. Either you and I are serving the pile or we take the pile and we kind of move it around. We serve God with the pile and we trust. See, here's, here's what God does. We cannot give God. Like this isn't just a statement on our, our offering bins. That's a real Bible thing. This is where we get this from. You can't outgive God. Jesus says, you give to me, God will take, it, take that in, shake it together to make room for more. It's, it's, just, it's like a, a sifting plate, okay? He's gonna take that in. He's gonna shake it around so you can keep on stacking more and more on there. And then he's gonna give it back to you. God says, dude, you can't outgive God. So you give to me and I'm gonna give you more to be faithful with for the sake of real heavenly wealth. Is anybody here in this today? So, I mean, let's just, let's just, we'll take some simple math because I'm not that smart, okay? So 10% of 100, well, that's, that's 10 bucks. You get to keep 90 bucks. But now imagine you're faithful with that. And now God says, okay, well now, now here's your thousand dollars. Now you got to raise. So now you get to keep 900 and you, and you give God a hundred. And then he even blows it up more. Okay, I'm gonna give you $100,000. And then he's gonna even ask, now give me 20%. And you're like, great, because I still have $800,000 or, or $80,000. I told you my math wasn't very good. <laughs> you, you get the point. You can't outgive God. He keeps giving you more to be faithful with. Why? Because he looks at you and he says, trustworthy. I know what they'll do. All I have to do is mention it to them. They're not going to fight me for six months. I'm going to mention it to them and they're going to direct some money here and they're going to direct some of my money there and they're going to direct some of my money there. And then we become actual relational partners. I mean, how many just want to have a vision for, I want to be the kind of guy or gal God can trust. Like I want him to be so comfortable with me as his friend that he's just like, he just mentions it. And I'm like, great, done. What else master? It's your stuff. So you just tell me whatever you want me to do. Let me pause for a second. And help you try to understand what this is like from my perspective, like where I'm standing, okay? I found out it really doesn't do me any good to try to twist your arm 
into giving. Just, just all transparency. It doesn't help me. It doesn't do anything for me. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, don't give reluctantly or out of being compelled. So that means for those giving, we shouldn't be like, ah, I hate giving. And those who are challenging us to give shouldn't be trying to like twist their arm or like, no, I guess give, you fool. Because all that is, is exterior. I've just learned over time, just from being a pastor, you know what God's really gonna hold me accountable for? It's not really for your actions. It's for how I shepherded your heart. He's not looking for exterior actions. He's looking for transformed people to do the right thing for the right reason. So I wanna show you this timeline. I know it might be a little bit hard to see, but hopefully I'll, I'll read it to you so that you can see a little bit. Now let's take it out of the money context, okay? We're just gonna talk about somebody who is being challenged to grow in their love walk, all right? So let's pretend there's somebody, that they come to know Christ and we'll just call them a miserable cuss. That's what it says there on the left. Orange, miserable cuss. They're a miserable cuss. They've trusted Christ, but they're so angry. Like something happened when they were younger and they're just... They can't not be negative. Every other word out of their mouth is like death speaking and discouraging, but they've trusted Christ and they begin to make progress with him. They begin to cooperate with Jesus. Somebody say cooperate with Jesus. They begin to cooperate with Jesus and a couple years go by and then they're, well, now they're slightly less negative. Okay. They're still mostly negative, but now they're slightly less negative and a few more years go by and then they're neutral. They're, they're, they're not saying anything helpful, but they're no longer saying a bunch of mess. And then a few more years goes by because they keep on cooperating with God. Now they're getting into places where from time to time, they just like try. They're like, I'm just gonna try being encouraging. Let's see what happens there. And there's, I'm just gonna try it again. Now they're still not, it's not natural to them. It's not normal, but they still try it. And after a while, they've, they've grown so much with God over the years. They're getting to that light blue. It says they choose to love others because God does. My spelling isn't good either. I know there's two Z's in cuz. But they choose to, they just do it out of, they're just like, well, God wants me to, so I'm just going to do it. And you would think, man, they've arrived. They just do it because God wants them to. But there's one more step. And that step is they get to the place they want to love others because God has caused them to love others. He's changed their hearts so much that they're not, they're not only of not avoiding it, they're looking for it. They're like, gosh, you know, the, the creatures God has made, they're so wonderful and awesome. And Jesus was right. Like they're precious. I just want to, I want to get at them so I can love them with the love of Christ. That's a transformed human who's in a very different posture than the one who we started with. Now let's, can we put that, that slide back up? I want you to see it in the context of giving. So you start out maybe over on, on the right. And maybe you were really poor as a kid or whatever. And like you giving $4 is a big deal. And even the Lord's like, doggone, he gave four bucks. You know, that's how it starts. Cause you know, you just came from a place where it was just really hard, but then you move on and well, now you're given a little bit more and then you're given a little bit more and you even get up to the green where you're not even complaining about it anymore. You're just like, well, you know, I don't like it, but I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to make a big stink about it. And then you get to the point, you even get to the light blue where you're saying, I don't like giving, but God has commanded me to do it. So I'm just going to do it. You'd think that that was as far as you could go, but there's a step further. There's a step we get to where God so transforms our heart where we say, I love what God is doing on planet earth and what he's doing in heaven. I love what he loves. He cares about these things. I care about these things. I'm looking actively for ways that I can partner with him and be his servant just because the joy I get out of Jesus being right, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
That's true transformation, my friends. So you can just pick out where are you along that spectrum. And I would just challenge you today, maybe just start praying to go to the next one. Like maybe you don't have to jump from miserable cuss to always wants to give for the right reasons. You don't have to jump there. But what would be the next step for you? Somebody say, take your next step. This whole thing that we're talking about, this is called sanctification. This is cooperating with Jesus. Salvation, being forgiven, is by grace through faith. It's 100% for you. Come to Christ, and he just forgives you. And he just wraps you up in his arms. Like, hey, let's walk together. But the sanctification part is different. Sanctification requires that I say, yes, sir. And I take the next step with him. And then he challenges me again. Yes, sir. And I take the next step. That's cooperation, and that's how sanctification works. And what that means is every time that I give something away, I give a little bit of my greed away. I give a little bit of my Pharisee away. I exit that dude from my heart. And now I'm becoming more and more truly like Christ. So what do we do? What do we do? I, I want to challenge somebody because I think this will maybe encourage you. If you are already like, dude, you're, you're giving and you love it and you're giving a lot. You've seen some of the fruit. I want to challenge you. If you don't already do this, I would pray. I do pray. Father, I've been faithful. I've been doing what you said. Now I'm asking you to do what you said. Here's your word. I'm sh this, this, you can do this with any topic in scripture. I'm showing you your word, God, just like people in the Bible did. I'm showing you your word. I'm asking you to honor your word. I've been faithful at least a little. Give me more to be faithful with. That's a totally legit prayer. And you know, you're not perfect, but you're covered in the blood of Jesus. And if it's true, you're gonna find that God is gonna be like, good call. That's true. You have been faithful. Here's a little bit more to be faithful with. Let's see what you do with it. Now, for others of us, it might be, it's time for you to think about systemizing because you're already at the place where you're, you've taken action because you know it's the right thing to do. When you automate it, when you just say, I'm just going to get on a regular schedule where it just happens, you're breaking that thing out of your heart to just say, hey, God, I want what you want even when I don't want it. I just want it to happen automatically. And that's part of that sanctification process that moves you a little bit closer to his heart. But then we've, all, we've also got to, in addition to like scheduling it and that kind of stuff, we've got to have these deep dives, which is why we do this annual Christmas offering. It's one of those places where we say, I'm going to go beyond my normal giving, and I'm just going to say, okay, I really care about that construction equipment in heaven. I really want to see some, some stuff get built up there. I want some heavenly mansions to be taking place. So I'm just going to, I'm going to reach. I'm going to give what I can, knowing that I cannot give God, but also just, I need a regular challenge and I need my heart to have that exercise of loving what God loves. And so I'm going to try it with that. Here's what I'll encourage all of us. I don't know where you are. Like, I don't know where halftime was or is or is coming, but I know you get another chance. If you didn't make it count, if you've squandered some stuff, if you didn't do it right, there's time left on the clock. You get another chance to make a tremendous impact. You get another chance to make it count. So let's go ahead and we're gonna go into our time of offering right now. And again, like I said at the beginning, there's no pressure for you to give, but hallelujah, it's time to give. And so maybe you wanna think about this all afternoon. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to give out a compulsion. I want you to give when you've thought it through and said, doggone, Jesus is right, that's a good idea. Like that's, that's the heart being transformed. And so as always, you can do it right now. You can do it, you can go online. Uh, fierce.church slash give. You can go out in the halls as always. There, there are those bins in the back. There's, there's kiosks out there. You can give on the app. I know there's all those ways to do it, but as you do it, let me invite the worship team back up as I read this final scripture to you. 
All of us know that even if you start today and you rock it and you crush it, you've, you've squandered stuff in the past. That's where Jesus Christ comes in. That's where he does some of his best work. See, because Jesus was the servant, he didn't squander anything. He was the servant that did it all right. He was the servant that God said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've, you've pleased me entirely. And so if you haven't done everything right, and I know you haven't, you can fall on Jesus, the perfect servant, and say, I've got his righteousness. If, if you've trusted Christ as your savior, you can just relax into his loving arms because he says, by the way, I fill in all your mistakes and I make up for your messes and it's all good. You just take my example. Here's his example, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Jesus left heaven, rich as you could possibly be. And he came so that we who were poor, he became poor so that we could come become rich by trusting in him as our savior. Now, one of the things that we do now is we mimic him. We try to help other people by becoming in some ways with earthly wealth, a little more poor temporarily so they can become rich. And we, we do it by becoming rich. In other words, it's a, it's a journey. It's a progress. I, I, I've traveled a little. I want to travel some more. I want to become more like Christ and I want to become more rich in heaven. And guys, don't, don't, please don't take this the wrong way, okay? There is a false righteousness. There is a ungodly self-righteousness that says, well, I just, I don't want to do it for the reward. Why that's wrong is because Jesus told you this so you would do it for the reward. He said, that's smart. Don't be so holy that you're holier than Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Don't be so holy that you're holier than Jesus. Jesus is right. He doesn't want you to be selfish. He doesn't want you to be ripping stuff out of other people's hands, but he wants you to know your situation is ending and you have the power. I want you to have the best possible future. So do it and don't apologize for it. Don't apologize for chasing it because he wants us to be after it. We get another chance to make it count. Let's bow our heads. You are the God of chances. Lord, you just give us chance after chance after chance. And we wanna thank you first for not leaving us. You actually came to get us. You left your riches to come become poor so that we could become rich. Thank you that you didn't just do that, but you challenged us to mimic you and not just do your actions, but acquire a heart like yours. We ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask great giver, Jesus, that you would live through us in a heightened new way, that you'd progress us along that timeline, that we would become more like Christ from the heart, not just in exterior actions. And God, for every place, everybody is, everyone's in a different place. I pray that you speak to them where they are, take their hand and lead them to where you want them to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. 
we'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.